tattoos are for you to use Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, the show where I talk to artists and activists about what lies beyond this world. We're going to talk about heavy shit. We're going to do it in a lighthearted way, and you can cook your breakfast the whole time. So in this episode, episode two, I talked to Jake Knoll. Jake Knoll is a very funny stand-up in Chicago, where I am also located, Jake and I started improv around the same time, 10-ish years ago, and Jake was part of a very small crew of people who migrated from improv to stand-up with me. A lot of improvisers would reach out to me, and I'm sure Jake and Megan Strickland is the other comedian, very funny, based in New York right now, who I can think of, who made the, the jump, and I would get messages or people saying like, Hey, I want to come to an open mic. Let me know when they're happening. It's like, they're literally happening all day, every night of the week. And so I would sometimes reach out to people and you get mixed responses. So I I have a lot of love for the people who made that jump and, and stuck with it. No shade to anyone who, who didn't do that, but Jake is very funny. And in this episode, Jake and I talk about many things. We talk about reincarnation. We talk about a particularly magical and revelatory date they went on. And then we get to this big, heavy topic of coming out and coming out as gay and the way in which coming out, just like any narrative we tell about our lives, there are more details that get shaved down as we sculpt those narratives. And I left a moment in, in the interview, where I asked Jake if they identify as gay still being trans. And I think that was a misstep on my part. But I left it in because I think it's more important to just ask things than to get something perfect right away. So I appreciate Jake being patient with me there, answering honestly. I do understand that gender and sexuality are different things. But I got to be honest, the full ways in which that is true, I'm still learning about. And I know I'm not the only one still learning about that. So you can find Jake online at Jakers Knoll on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at This Is Dave Marr on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. Please, wherever you're listening to this, click in your app. Just click on the subscribe button. Rate the show. Review the show. And I understand I've heard these things before. I've heard people tell me this and I've thought, why the fuck would I do that? I have no interest in interacting with this technology any more than I am just by clicking play. But here's the thing. This is the new economy right here. We have artists taking over all the means of production. I am recording this inside an eggshell box in my bedroom on the third story of an apartment building in Chicago, desperately hoping that one of my neighbors doesn't slam the gate again and that birds don't start chirping. So this is very DIY on my part. And we got to support the artists directly. So whether that's paying for shit on Bandcamp, whatever we do, we're abolishing celebrity. We're abolishing these giant corporate 
behemoths, be, behemoths, be, be, behemoths, corporate behemoths, behemoths. Wow, I, th- I thought I knew how to pronounce that word better, better than I do. But just, just subscribe to the show. That's what I'm saying. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Jake Knoll. I grab your whip and take it back to When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it Okay, so we're going to start with quick intros, right? And I have three introductions that I want you to give. An intro, number one, is if you are introducing yourself to a stranger in a rideshare. Number mm-hmm. two is potential new friend at a party. And number three is St. Peter at Classic Christian Pearly Gates. Okay. okay. So what do you say to those people to tell them who you are? Okay. So rideshare. Party. Party. Pearly, Pearly Gates. Gates. All right. I feel like I'm going to be a dick about this. <laughs> All right. That's okay. Rideshare. Uh, rideshare. I'm just like, I try not to talk to the person as long as possible. And then I say, hey, I'm Jake. And then I turn away. Okay. Name only. Great. Cool. Love that. <laughs> cool. New friend at a party. New friend at a party. If it's somebody that like I like, feel like I would be friends with. I'm like. Yeah. And they're like, oh, hey, Jake, uh, you know, what's your deal? What do you do? Oh, hey. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, when we're not, when we're allowed to be at parties and not breaking the law by doing this, um, I, uh, <laughs> usually do stand up and teach um and uh yeah been in chicago for a bit how about you great <laughs> love it cool perfect a lot of a lot of deflecting back to people like mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. like inter- mm-hmm, okay i don't introduce myself till i know someone for a year um all right you do that thing where you're like have technically become facebook friends mm-hmm. you've seen them at shows I, mm-hmm. it's always another comic in my mind right you're imagining that they hopefully know who you are and you mm-hmm. don't have to introduce yourself. And then there's just some day when you both start calling each other by your first name. Yeah. When I remember their name, which takes a full year. And then um, I need to vet them and make sure that they're not weird or, you know, I need to walk time them for a year. And a then. Big time. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So Pearly okay, Gates, okay. what do you say at Pearly Gates? I mean, I assume dude knows who I am. Uh, Cause it's okay, like, interesting. not like, but like, I mean, right? He's got but a what book. if they're like, okay, he's like, Jake, no, Jake. Um, remind me, I, I remind me. I, I'm going to get real scared and be like, I think I'm supposed to be in hell, but uh, all right. <laughs> what if it's not a heaven or hell? What if it's just like an intake? Like, like doctor's office? Yeah. Yeah. Remind me, give me some facts about your life. Oh. I need to let you know what I mean. For sure. For sure. Yeah, like we have like right. 50 Jake Knowles. We have like 50,000. I mean, I guess in history of how many Jake Knowles have there been in the history? Probably a of? lot. I mean, I chose a pretty common name. <laughs> I don't feel like Knoll is that common of a name, but maybe it probably, is. Probably there's just like one chunk of Germany where it's just all Jake Knoll. Mm, okay. So like, yeah, there's like half a million Jake Knowles here. Can you, can you give me a, I don't know, even a century, a, like oh, a, yeah. an occupation, something like that? For sure. So I died in the great pandemic of 2021. Um, and, uh, I'm from Chicago. Uh, I mean, not originally, I'm originally from stores, Connecticut, but, uh, I lived my last 14 years of my life in Chicago and, uh, I was a stand up and a teacher improviser and, uh, I have a cat. Um, 
I don't know. Oh Peter. yeah. Cool. Got to hear it. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It was the right. cat, the cat, everything else. There were a lot that had done all of those things, but it was the cat. That's the, yeah. 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 A lot of guys like that have birds. A lot yeah. of Jake Knowles have birds. Yeah. yeah birds. A lot of it's Jake very... Knoll comedy died in the pandemic or like bird people. So we've got you right. under cat. Yeah. There's just a lot of rogue birds now. Uh-huh. So now we do a hard pivot and I ask you, what do you hope happens when you die? All right. All right. Um, I don't feel like I have any like hope. I don't think it's like, I don't know. Do you have security? Like, Are you like confident in something? I'm not confident, but I, I think that I'm comfortable with having an ever-changing idea of like what happens after death or an ever like sort of maybe clarifying feeling about it. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I right now uh, feel like reincarnation makes the most sense to me. Like classic like Hindu or Buddhist reincarnation. Yeah, I wouldn't want to claim either religion because I definitely haven't done enough learning. But um, like uh, that, like we just kind of keep coming back till our soul learns the lesson that it needs to or like learns, you know, basically like reaches enlightenment and then our the energy of our soul or whatever rejoins everything. Okay. And then, but is there a continued consciousness between lives? Like right now, do you feel aware of previous lives? I think that you could tap into it. I don't think it's like uh, over consciousness. I feel like there's probably little like lingering bits. Have you had moments? Have you had like, like you'll be in a situation and you're like, this feels familiar in a way that I can't explain. Yeah, I definitely really? get weird little, yeah. Like what? I don't know, like, um, there'll just be, like, weird, um, a lot of times, like, if I hear drums of some kind, it'll do it. I'll just, like, get a sense of being, like, huh, I remember something. Whoa. And it's not, like, a concrete memory, but it's, like, a feeling of, like, I get it. That's crazy. It also makes sense. I feel like drums are a very, like, primal instrument. Totally. Is it live drums, or is it recorded drums, just, like? Live drums, like, usually, like, any kind of, like, hand drum or something. Okay. I feel like I'm I'm very in danger of ending up in a drum circle at some point. <laughs> I feel like that's like the story dudes in drum circles tell. They're like, <laughs> I just feel a deep, uh, you know, spiritual ancient connection to the djembe, and it just uh, it just calls <laughs> to just me. appropriate the hell out of someone else's culture. <laughs> but it's like, but then it's like, is it appropriation if you have like multiple previous lives? It's like you have like the most legit claim to it you know sounds like a great way around appropriation (laughs) (laughs) i saw a video of a group of like uh whatever like neo hippies or whatever with their dreads all stuck together and it's called i forget was like a dread blob or something and they were just walking around like attaching other people white people's dreads to their dread i don't know facebook's a horrible place wow it's like a rat king yeah fuck that's awful. And it's also one of those things where it's like, if there's a certain type of kind of, I mean, maybe these people are harmless, but like a certain type of like loathsome person and you've got them all together. My first instinct is like, 
how do we get rid of them? Like, in mass. Like, <laughs> you see that and you're like, you have like a bottle of Raid that you're pulling out. <laughs> yeah, or like we got to like light them all, like light their hair on fire and see how many we can take out. That's pretty dark. I'm really Wow, yeah. So your first thought is like a type of genocide. It's a, yeah, but, it's a murderous yeah. impulse. It's not, yeah. it's not good. Maybe that's a lesson that I need to learn. To maybe that's like, something you got to figure out in this life. Maybe it's your destiny to actually become like a warlord in this life and take out hippies. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, I don't love that. <laughs> um. So, okay, so there's this like, this is interesting because, you know, I don't know if I'd be doing this podcast if I didn't feel extreme panic thinking about mm-hmm. death. But it sounds like you have this kind of peace about it. I mean, I think I have a peace about it until it's there, you know. Sure. Is did you grow up with the reincarnation thing? No, I grew up with um my mom is a staunch atheist um who hates organized religion. Um but was always very respectful in a way, like incredibly disrespectful, but at the same time respectful of other people's religions. So like she would make fun of Christians and call them Jesoids um, and like point out churches and be like, those guys are idiots, um, which probably she's going to hell if there is one. But uh, she was at the same time made sure that like we didn't take the Lord's name in vain because it would upset other people. Um mm. So this is interesting. Um, and then my dad is uh, was raised super Catholic and is just kind of like a, a hiding Catholic now. He would take us in rooms and occasionally read us the children's Bible just in case. <laughs> like while your mom was in the house? Yeah. <laughs> Did she ever wonder? Was she like, hey, where, what were you guys up to? I think she just kind of rolled her eyes. She was like, ah, storybooks. So she knew what was happening. Yeah. Then why was he hiding it? It didn't, it wasn't completely hiding. It just didn't feel completely like, um, it was kind of like you, you know, fine, you can go do that. What's up? It's Dave. If you like This Is Your Afterlife, you should go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my free newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Every week in the newsletter, I share, one, a micro-essay about an aspect of creativity or culture, like the creative lessons of Drag Race Thailand or the visionary anti-racism of Hoobastank. Two, a hyper-specific playlist, for example, 90s Beach Xanax or Pelot de Don set for 2008 Pitchfork Music Festival after party where I saw Julia Stiles. And finally, a few actions we can take to pour water on our world on fire. Hella Immaculate is a way for me to connect with audiences beyond live venues and across the globe. And it's the best way to learn about classes I'm teaching, podcast updates, eventual live shows, and whenever I'm typecast as a homeless addict again on a TV show set in Chicago. Again, go to thisisdavemar.com to subscribe to my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. As you may know, I'm a DIY operation, so please tell your friends. A hard vouch means everything. Back to the show. Okay, so this next segment is called funeral planning. And it's just exactly what it sounds like. What requests or demands, however strong they are, do you have for either your funeral or just how people should mourn you in general? Totally. Um, okay. So I have a Spotify playlist. For uh, real? Already? Yeah. Yeah. 
you so you've thought about this well just sometimes i'll hear a song and i'll be like that'd be a great funeral song and i'll put it on my funeral playlist what's is it just called funeral Oh, here, I'll pull it up. Yeah, it's yeah. called What I Want Played at My Funeral. Okay, um, great, great. Oh, yeah, 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 please. All right, let's see. What do we got? Um, it's not very long yet, which is probably a good sign. I hope that's a good sign. I think so, yeah. Although it could be a bad sign. It could be like you're winnowing down until, you know, like people giving things away. God, this is, <laughs> I was just getting really dark, but it's like, yeah, giving things well, away. Well, I mean, so. we. Uh, I feel like uh, starting out, I, you know, yeah, let's get dark. It's a dark, yeah. <laughs> Why is my death podcast so dark today? Just keep asking people about death. Why did it get dark right away? <laughs> okay, here we go. What I'd like played at my funeral. We've got um, You'll Never Walk Alone, performed by Judy Garland. Mm. Um, Smile by Nat King Cole. And then Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. Oh, great. Okay. I love that. Uh, what's the, what's the, the thought behind the Missy Elliott? I think I was just like, this, this would be fun. Like, you know, like cheer people up a little bit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Get them yeah, dancing. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to be cremated. Although ultimately, like if I had it completely my way, I would have my body thrown out in the woods just in case I woke up, but also so that wolves would eat it. Whoa, whoa, wait, just in case you woke up? <laughs> what do you I mean? do have a fear of not actually being dead after I'm pronounced dead and getting like buried alive. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That would be fucked. So you're just like imagining like one of those where people just like set like a sheet over the person like and lay them like on the ground for their body to just like time-lapse video of a fox dissolve into the earth. I guess so. I wasn't even picturing a sheet, but just kind of like oh, okay. lay me out there. <laughs> That's kind of dark for the people having to carry you. They're just like, like what? They've just got you in the back of a pickup truck and then they just carry you out and they're like, Looking at each other like, oh, this is fucked up, man. Like, I don't know. Yeah, dude, just like, here's like, just roll me out in a pickup truck. You know, like you could do like a, a little service or something, right? With get your freak on. And then mm-hmm. you put me in the back of a Toyota pickup truck specifically. Okay. Drive me out to the woods that's like far enough that no one's going to like stumble across me. And then uh, just kind of take what, take a stick and roll me off the back. <laughs> So, so you said because you're afraid of being, of waking up, but what were the other reasons for being schlepped to the woods? Uh, yeah, I think that's the main one. And then I feel like I, uh, I mean, you said something about feeding wolves. Did I just, Oh yeah. Like it is not necessarily for the wolves, but I figure that would just be a side effect of being in the woods that you're okay with. Yeah. Any, anything else about funereal morning final rites <laughs> and yeah, the way that people are 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 celebrating your life or mourning your death i mean i feel like it's so up to it's like so for the people who are still alive because like ultimately i don't really care you know yeah beyond like i don't want to wake up in a box like Besides that, like, you know, I don't want to, like, yeah, be buried alive. But besides that, everything's for the people who are still alive. Yeah. So whatever helps them heal the most. Like, if it, if, if my family was like, you know what, like, we really need to have, like, I don't know why my mom would think this, but a church funeral or, like, whatever, you know, 
your dad's like holding like a secret church funeral in the closet. <laughs> he's just like brought a priest. He's like, Shh, come in the back door. Come in yeah, the back door. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this next one is a bigger is a bigger question, and it's called relive one memory because part of this show is based on some of the premises that I lay out in my show Feed Wolf Ice Cream. And one of those premises is that in the afterlife, you get to fully relive. So like drop down back into almost physically one memory. You're not stuck in it, but you get to relive it whenever you want, however many times you want. So if that were the case, what memory would you choose to relive? Totally. I mean, right now, I feel like I would choose a different memory at different times in my life. But like right now, I feel like I would choose a memory of like, like a nice date, you know, or like a time with somebody that like I liked. Okay. Like an early relationship. Well, it's got to be specific. It can't just be like a generalized. Yeah. Well, okay. So like, I don't, I this feel, but that like, I was just seeing somebody and it ended, but we like had a nice date in Humboldt Park and like, um, it was really like a beautiful night with like lightning bugs and like, um, like a uh, summer night, just like walking around the park. I feel like I could live in that. Okay. Did you, how long had you been dating up to this point? It was super short. It was like, we like, uh, that was our second date. Ooh, okay. Second date energy is really nice energy. Yeah. Because it's not like first date energy. It's like a kind of mutual acknowledgement that there's something there, but it, but what it is, is wide open. Who knows what it's going to be. Totally. And you're just like still learning about each other and it's not all like horned up, you know, like a horned up. (laughs) Like it's not like, it's not like chase energy. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Kind of. It's not ruined with the impurity of sexual <laughs> desire. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, okay. Were there things, so it sounds like you don't want to blow up this person's spot, which makes sense, which is totally cool. But yeah. were there things you learned about that person? And again, I don't mean like, tell me this person's secrets. I just mean like, oh, I found out about their dad or I found out about their arrest record or whatever that like made it feel particularly intimate. Totally. I mean, I think that it was just like um, finding a ton of like commonalities with somebody or like, it felt like just discovering like, so this person is like going to get ordained as a priest. And yeah, which was really cool. And I was like, I would never have thought, you know, that that would be somebody that I would connect with. And, uh, but just finding the commonalities between like, honestly, like being a priest and being a comedian was really crazy and bizarre. What were they? Uh, like writing a sermon is like writing 10 minutes. Um, and like thinking about like talking to, um, like she works specifically with like kids a lot. So teaching kids versus like teaching comedy and like what, uh, philosophy we have behind that and found we had like very similar philosophies of like using it as a way to um help people enhance what they already have Mm. how does comedy 
Oh, you mean teaching people to do comedy, enhancing what they already have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of like an altruistic, like stand up situation, which, yeah, seems hard oh, to Oh, yeah. Imagine. Like, <laughs> no, I get paid for that shit. <laughs> um, okay. So great. So you're having this conversation. What else proceeded? Was it just like we meet in the park or was there food at any point? There was also, she's a vegan also. So we're both vegan and just had like, uh, like some, I forget, like ground controller, one of the vegan restaurants just had food from there. Okay. It's a picnic in the park and then like. Got, picked it up, brought it to the park. Mm -hmm. Was there, did you have a blanket or was it, did you, was there, there's not a picnic basket if you're picking things up, you're just carrying the bags and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, there's like a blanket spread out like food on it um sat under some of the like tall trees in the park and um ate and then like as the sun was setting like walked around the park and uh yeah and what was the like feeling you are remembering having in this that makes it a relivable memory well i mean i think honestly it's like uh for me dating has been like an insane I think it's insane for a lot of people but like it uh, has been an insanely feels like slow and long process of figuring it out because I was closeted for so long and then even once I've been out for years now like still haven't quite figured out like how to know when I'm like attracted to somebody Mm, tell me about that what does that mean so I'm still like figuring it out but I think a lot of it is um kind of having like tricked myself into dating men for so long and trying to kind of label different feelings as what attraction is so that I could get out of realizing that I was actually gay. So it'd be like, Oh, this feeling is what love actually feels like. And that actually really good, like kind of like um, butterfly feeling is just when I want to be friends with somebody. Oh, So what things do you associate with wanting to date somebody? being attracted to somebody. I still am figuring that out. But honestly, this was the first time I think that I was recognizing that like, oh, I feel like nice, just like I feel nice inside. And then I think this person does too. And um, being able to sort of like calmly recognize that versus having somebody like me and being able to tell that they like were interested in me and then being like, I don't feel anything, but man, I better manufacture something. Wait, were you saying the butterfly's feeling is a feeling of attraction or is the feeling of friendship? This is a feeling of attraction, like I think. Oh, gotcha. You saying before, okay, I understand now. I thought you were saying yeah. you had had butterfly's feelings for dudes and had interpreted that as sexual. I, I'm all sorts of confused. No, you're I, saying, I got you. You're saying you were used to turning butterfly's feelings into friendships. Right. So I was like used to, cause it's also like purposely confusing. I was basically purposely confusing the hell out of myself so mm-hmm. that I could never possibly see that I was gay. Do you still identify as gay be- being trans? I identify as queer. I feel like okay. I use gay interchangeably just cause I think when I was like growing up, that was the thing that I was the most afraid of being because that was the mm-hmm. word at the time was like okay. gay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like on this date, there's also this like 
So you're saying the these are the this is the last little relationship you were in? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is a really recent, I imagine, feeling of figuring something out about yourself, of like setting your internal compass. Totally. Yeah, it felt like it like I mean, even though the relationship did not last long at all, um, it felt so healthy and like it reset what my understanding of like dating could be. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like this self-discovery like parallel with the romantic excitement discovery of the other person. Totally. Yeah. It was kind of like, um, some, like I just got this feeling during it of like, you know, like you grow up watching all these movies and stuff about people falling in love and you're just kind of like, like for me, I was always like, that seems really nice, but that's not real. Like I'll never feel that, you know? Um, And then being like, well, this is like the real life version of it and kind of getting that and being like, oh, I see like just starting to understand like what everyone's been talking about. Yeah. What made you feel like you would never feel that? Um, I think because for so long, I mean, I've gotten past that in more recent years, but I think for so long I was just like, well, relationships just feel like shit. Like you just, you're supposed Mm. to be stuck with somebody that you don't like, but you're, everybody's just pretending that they like each other. Yeah. Of all the dark things that have that have been said today, I feel like this is one of the darkest. <laughs> that, that every relationship is just a bunch of husks walking around, partnering up. <laughs> the good news is, it's not. I was yeah. wrong. <laughs> yes, that is good news. Yeah. This next what am I calling it? Section? Segment? What do people call them? Seg- what, what, what did I, call it? What I, did I say could... earlier? Say this <laughs> uh, next segment? Is that what I said? Maybe. This, this, next, this next thing is, is so the, the question itself is sort of naughty, like K-N-O-T-T, like c- complex, but I'm calling it like, what's your coma? So for me, the most obvious moment of transformation or most extreme from the outside looking moment of transformation in my life was going into this coma and waking up. What is something like that for you, a moment of transformation that feels like a death and rebirth in the way you were one person before it and a new person after it? whether it was a clean break or not. Yeah. For me, it was definitely realizing I was gay, which was like a, uh, it was like, I've talked about it. I feel like so much in general in my life at this point, which is actually probably good because it's got very little like emotion attached to it anymore. So let me ask you this. If you've talked about it a lot, what are the things, what are the highlights of that narrative? And in what way, are the things you say about it a lot, like not the whole story. You know how like, like mm-hmm. you know, I went through this coma and like right afterwards, there were like all these different experiences about it. But now when I talk about it, and I was aware of this then, that like it gets streamlined, you know? Totally. So what are Dude, the non-streamlined aspects of that narrative? That's a great question. Okay. 
So to give the like bare bones of it, yeah, um, I was in a Meisner class and has <laughs> always been, uh, just the form of acting. It's very famous for like repetition. You're like, your left eye's twitching. My left eye's twitching. You're right. in love and with then, me. I'm in love with I'm you. I'm in love with you. And then you make out in class and it's right. very responsible. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I was in a Meisner class in college. I was like 23, I think 22, 23. And uh, was doing repetitions and somebody said, uh, you are flirting with me. It was a woman said, you're flirting with me. And I was like, I'm flirting with you. Like I tried to like play it off. At the time, I had no idea. I was so repressed. I had no idea. And then um, she said, you're gay. And I had to repeat back, I'm gay. And I felt like someone had dumped a bucket of cold water on my head. All these memories started flooding back about how I was gay and was like, fuck, I'm gay. <laughs> but like, I tried to play it off in class and I think successfully fooled people for the moment. And then, for so the your biggest time, feat of acting was like pretending that you weren't like having a major existential breakthrough slash crisis. Yes, exactly. Okay. I, you know, the thing that actually would have made that exercise effective, uh, like, you know, that would have been really interesting to watch or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, fuck no, you don't get this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, consequently, I, I I won't say anything about acting being whatever, but um, I, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I had that experience and then I was immediately got, I was living with a boyfriend at the time who I'd been with for like three years at that point. And uh, he had had a fever and I immediately caught the same fever, which caused me to hallucinate. And um, so I was like, panicking and hallucinating and just kind of like um in this like crazy um mental space of being very confused like my response to finding out something about myself that I don't want to know is to purposely confuse myself mm, so I think still? I was like still yeah I still okay. work with that um, yeah. that's like my defense mechanism so what does that look like purposely confusing yourself So what it turns into is I think it's some form of OCD, I feel like, where I will kind of latch onto an idea and then it's not about, I don't know how to like, or I'm learning how to like feel into it versus try to logic through it. Mm, Okay. So I think the part that I don't talk about is that I spent like a year like researching, but I put researching in quotes because it's like a, it was like an obsessive researching of like typing into Google constantly, like, am I gay? How do I know if I'm gay? But for like hours a night, you know, and I was also on Adderall at the time. So it made it like super easy to just do that constantly. Okay. And what were, so you're doing this for a year. Mm -hmm. Are you rereading the same articles or are you like getting to the like, you know, 150th page of Google or whatever? Kind of both. Like I was doing everything. I found like a a chat room kind of deal where it was like a message board that was like for people struggling to come out. And I was posting on there and I was just, I just wanted someone to tell me if I was gay or not. So I was basically trying to get someone to tell me. And it didn't matter because what I had to do was like feel it, you know, and I just wasn't able to feel it. Um, So it was just a long process of like finally just kind of making the exterior decision. Truly like my boyfriend was like, I can't take this anymore, you know. Because he knew what you were doing. Yeah, I had come out to him as like, 
I was like, I think I'm bi. And he was like, that's great. That's fine. You know, he was super supportive. And I was like, do you want to like go explore outside the relationship? Like, you know, super supportive. And I was like, no, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I want to be straight. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cool. That sounds like a normal bi person thing to feel. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Uh, And uh, so then I, um, we broke up and it, it took another like year for me to really feel into it and start actually trying to date women. Um, I continued to like hook up with men sort of compulsively after that because it was just like what I knew how to do. Mm. Um, and, uh, and also sexuality is a spectrum or whatever, right? but, uh, uh, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) whatever they say these days, whatever bullshit they're talking You're literally the clearest example of sexuality being a spectrum. And you're like, that's not that much of a spectrum, guys. It's pretty fucking black and white over here. It's pretty black and white, dude. Binaries are real. (laughs) I support binaries wholeheartedly. So how how does this research get left out or streamlined in your narrative of it? Like, what do you say instead? I mean, I think I just gloss over it and say, like, it took me a year to figure it out. Okay. I think because it is, it feels like such a um, more, like it requires so much more explanation, the kind of issue of like, it brings in a lot of like mental health. I feel like when I start talking about the obsessive side of it. Right. Cause if you're saying it took a year to figure out, it almost sounds like a, well, may, I don't know. I, maybe, it, maybe this is just to me as a straight dude, sounds more of a like lackadaisical, like slow, gradual process where as what you're masking with that is saying like it was a year of panic and fucking anxiety and depression and all this other stuff. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, um, I also like I, it, the panic was so bad that I like woke up in a panic attack and went to the ER cause I thought it was like a heart attack. When like right after the Meisner class or at just some random point, I think some, at some point within that year. Mm. Fuck. So what is the, so how would you describe the death and rebirth? What died in that Meisner class slash hallucinogenic fever? (laughs) I've never had a fever that made me hallucinate. What the fuck? I was so mad. I was so mad at Eric during that, like, uh, because he was like sick and I was like, there's no way you're hallucinating, dude. This is bullshit. And then I got it and fully hallucinated. You don't know what it was though. It was just a it was fever? Probably COVID in 2011, <laughs> whatever, you know, the early COVID. <laughs> um, okay. So, so yeah, what died and what was reborn? Yeah. Like, I think it was actually like a, um, very scared protective layer or like part of myself that died away and opened up to more like my true self. So it was almost like a, uh, like this, like little, like fake shell that I had put on to like protect myself died away. So there's some fear in there that's going away. Mm -hmm. What, how else would you describe, right? So you like say I'm gay, which means I'm queer in so many ways. Mm -hmm. What other, are there other aspects of your personality that changed or blossom? Like other than just saying like, oh, this is the kind of person I'm attracted to. You're also like, and I'm fucking way more into chrysanthemums. That's like a stupid (laughs) example, but you know what I mean? No, that's a very gay thing to be into. (laughs) 
I was trying to think of a non-traditional, you know, I was going to be like, oh, like I'm way more butch, you know, I'm like, I really want to wear flannels or whatever, but it's like, I don't know, maybe there's some random shit, you know? Totally. I mean, definitely like a very, very external or also internal, but whatever, a bigger part of that is gender started express. Like I started being able to recognize that I'm also trans, which at the time I was like, not going to deal with that right now. Like can't even fathom dealing with that at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I just like put it off. Also being an alcoholic, like that started, I just was able to like get in my body for the first time, like actually really start to get in my body. And then like the other stuff that came out would be like, I started being funnier on stage and I started like uh, being able to um, kind of tell who I wanted to be friends with and um, like have a sense of like, just a sense of myself. Like uh, I got, I started decorating better. Like I started decorating my house, which like never been a thing that. that I was up to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which in my mind, I'm not even because for me, decorating has coincided. I'm still not created it, but has coincided more with like adulthood because I haven't had the same reckonings with sexuality. So how much of that was like, I'm embracing this gay stereotype of decorating more versus like now that I am comfortable in myself, I want to make my home more livable. I think it was a hundred percent the second one where I was just like, I was just like, I'm making the space my own. And I finally actually am in touch with like starting to get in touch with what I like and what I don't like. And also like at the same time I went through a phase, I think because of like my emerging understanding of my gender where I went super feminine for a minute and I started wearing dresses and like trying to understand makeup just to kind of give like, like a last ditch effort. Uh, And (laughs) I was like on Pinterest reading about all this stuff and I was like, all right, I think I can do this. (laughs) But at the same time, it gave me, it started introducing me to like looking at different uh, aesthetics and like looking at Pinterest and that kind of stuff and being like, some of this stuff is kind of cool. So it sounds like your internet search history is like the key to whatever, (laughs) like if we were to look at it now, we would find out whatever you're about to admit to yourself in a year. Yeah, totally. Great. (laughs) So last question, it's a one question lightning round, which is kill one thing. What is one thing in culture or daily life you wish would die? Mm. And, and, and it can be very small. It doesn't have to be like war. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I feel like it's all a necessary part of, life right you can't but truly i would kill um like whatever it is that compels people to be righteous dicks on the internet okay like whatever it's i don't even think it's i don't know how to put it into words exactly but it's like whatever it is that like creates this idea of like punishing people or this idea of like and it goes on it's not just like one side or another it's just pervasive in our culture right now sure like reducing people to trash basically that's great I was hoping you were going to say something a little more. You want something funny? Mundane. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't Our think team. we're aiming for, we're, we don't need punchlines. I just was like, what's a like, you know, fucking, I hate this TV show or I hate this fruit well, you know what? or something. You know what I would do is that yeah. damn G2 Gatorade because I always buy it and think it's regular Gatorade and then it's this like sugarless trash. <laughs> 
I just reduced Gatorade to trash. Yeah, yeah. You're like too, you're self-righteous about your Gatorade. Yeah. That's the show. Thank you for listening to This Is Your Afterlife. Again, you can find Jake at Jakers Knoll on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at This Is Dave Marr. Also, please sign up for the newsletter, Hella Immaculate, that I mentioned in the middle of the podcast. You can do that at thisisdavemarr.com. Subscribe to the show, rate it, review it. It does make a difference. And I will talk to you next episode. Impossible, you can do miracles. Miracles, you can do them.